It's Gato Five Time! My name is Max and my co-host, as always, is Jesse. The combination of a bottle of Pinot and loneliness, Benz. Hello, dear. That's me! I'm so... Right, hello. Um, it's Right, it was definitely my turn to introduce. You've been introduced to the loads lately, so I'm going to be doing that next time. Remember that. And the music hasn't changed. It's still the boring, generic ska punk. What's going on? Why aren't you working? <laughs> See, this, this is you in a nutshell. This is this is Jesse Ben. So basically, he sits on his Todd all day, playing what Tony Hawk and like Max. I've got to get like over a million on on my high score, and then there's me working all day, very hard, doing other podcasts, launching a brand new podcast. By the way, this week, new episode just came out yesterday on uh, government measures. Are we there yet? Thank you for your support. It's done very very well. I'll soon be able to leave Jesse. Over a million, you said. What? No. It's a million and a half, Max. And that is a lot of points to get when every time you do a kickflip, you get slightly less points than you did before. So you've got to think of all things that you're doing on the game just to get all the points. Really difficult. That is literally your day. That was that was my day yesterday. Today um, was uh, more Animal Crossing, actually. <laughs> you really oh, need Adam- to go... Go back to and the a office. Away pizza. Right, so um, I'm going to call this out, right? Pizza Hut. What do you think about Pizza Hut? Indifferent. Right, so I'm into Papa John's, right? I love the Papa John's. And um, I have that quite a lot. And then occasionally a little Facebook advert will pop up and I'll see Pizza Hut and I'll go, yeah, hey, that looks like really good, actually. And I've worked out that Pizza Hut have the best pizza pictures of <laughs> any takeaway pizza place and they seduce you like that, but they're the least good actual pizza. And I just know that right now I'm angry about it, but I know in a couple of weeks I'm going to see that picture again and go, oh, maybe they've changed because that does look really good. But they won't have changed. My slices weren't even even. I'm, I'm so sorry, Jesse. Basically, you're just a sucker for advertisement. Whatever looks good, whatever's new, you just get it. I have so many t-shirts that i've never even worn actually but they pop up on facebook and they just look really good is it like those funny spoofy ones yeah kind of or just like nerdy ones or like yeah like the crossover ones like you'll have a squirtle from pokemon but it's he's dressed as a teenage mutant ninja turtle and i'm like ah, that's the funniest thing i've said in my life and then i buy it and immediately regret <laughs> those crazy cats yeah, um those crazy turtles have you listened to my new podcast yet no, I didn't even know it was out, but I will. It sounds pretty boring, though, mate. No, it's really good. <laughs> okay, good. What a salesman. <laughs> um, I'll be on that um, shortly. Uh, what's it called again? Are We There Yet? Is it on Spotify? It is. Okay. I mean, are we I'll send you. I'll send there. you a link, Jesse. Let's not do it now. You can't listen to it yeah. now. So it comes up with, Are We There Yet? Podcast 2020. Is that it? Probably. Um, um... Jesse, don't look up with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, this week's episode. The Dreamcast episode did well. Everyone liked your high energy. How many cups of coffee have you had today? Did they? I've had a few, and I put um, gin in it, which um, (laughs) isn't normal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm aware it's not normal, but we didn't have any whiskey. So, it was pink gin, so it made a nice sort of purple coffee. You're making bad life choices, my friend. Bad, bad life choices opinions about authority or the regime. Is that the start? That's the start of your podcast. Yeah, I found the right one. Okay, cool. Listen to it, everyone. It's called Are We There Yet? on the Got Till 5 Network. That scared the shit out of me hearing my actual good co-host voice. Terrifying. 
Yeah, I'm an amazing co-host. We, this is going on too long. Tell them what's happening. <laughs> talking about her anyway um welcome to this week's episode we are doing a very special episode we have a guest a very what is this our, this is our first proper guest right because the girls don't count it's our first yeah it's our first proper guest in the post-wrestle era yes god we've got eras i fucking love it um joining us on this week's episode we have henry from white wall cinema a lovely little independent cinema in brighton so henry welcome to the show sorry for the insane five minutes we haven't spoken in a couple of hours so we get a bit uh get a bit crazy hello thanks for well thanks for having me i have to say actually straight away i've got to do a shout out for pizza hut because that's good that's my favorite <laughs> that's and your favorite why yeah. are you getting off on the wrong foot not but you're not in the restaurant the restaurant's just no, it does not appeal to me, but in 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 home takeaway scenario, Pizza Hut's the one. The Harry, one. You're playing a very dangerous game right now, and I immediately suggest you do a U-turn. Where did you find this guy? <laughs> but I could I can qualify by like film nerdness through the Pizza Hut because I'm the guy that ordered a US copy of Demolition Man so that I didn't have to watch it with all the Pizza Hut advertisements in it because it's really Taco Bell all the way through. And if you just watch the UK version, it's just a weird floaty Pizza Hut logo grafted on top of all the Taco Bell advertisements. There you go. He's come at us with trivia already. Straight away. We're not prepared for this, Jesse. <laughs> We're not prepared for this. I've got Pizza IMDb open. have ice cream factories in the restaurants. Uh, yes. Yes, they do. I need to go back to those guys. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, when you can, it's going to be a while. Let us know oh, how yeah. you get on. Um, so Henry's joining us because we're doing a, basically a fucking nightmare of an episode. We thought it was a really clever idea, but then we actually sat down and thought about it and it's really difficult. So this we're is talking, the stupidest thing you've ever done. Stupidest, stupidest idea for a top five ever. Um, Jesse's wording, we're, we're looking at uh, fantastic films and we're not even doing a top five <laughs> format. It's literally just us talking about nine movies that we think you should watch it's not even a round number how stupid that's three that? each though if you're keeping up at home there you go scorecards kids why do americans say math it's not right it's maths the pluralization well it depends if it's like encompassing everything it would be a singular thing but if you break everything individually then yeah it would be pluralized it's just wrong. Um, before we um, get into it, though, Henry, you should tell us about what you do and why. I actually spoke to my dad yesterday and he asked me what the podcast was about. And I explained what you do. And he said, hmm, he sounds like a very enterprising chap. So I'd yeah. like you to um, explain why you're enterprising, please. OK, so what I do is I run a thing called White Wall Cinema and we've been doing it for years. It's basically just a pop up cinema that we do in Brighton and we do it all over. So we might do a screening in a shop or we might do it in a a warehouse or we might do it. We did it on a boat once, um, not sort of like, you know, not like R. Kelly style, you know, like big party <laughs> with, you know, like literally on a boat, but like with a load of nerds watching a film. Slightly different scenario, right? My kind of party. Yeah. So You didn't um, watch Titanic, did you? No, no. <laughs> Because we like good films, right? No, I don't mind. I'm not gonna. Uh, it's not. We basically try and screen the stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path, right? So stuff that's you know maybe it's a classic, it's a, a cult film, it's overlooked, it's uh, you know a kind of hidden gem, that kind of thing. And um, because even classics don't get screened anywhere. I mean, it's just just movie theaters are now just Avengers, 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 and so on, right? So at the minute, we're totally shut down because there's nothing we can do. And that means that our whole business has just disappeared overnight. 
Uh, and so right now we're doing a thing called home service. And home service is you get in touch with us, you make a little donation to make sure that we actually survive through this period, which is very, very difficult for a business that relies entirely on people coming together in a room. Uh, and then we uh, we talk to you about your movie taste, what you like in a movie. We pick out the absolute perfect movie for you, which we uh, which hopefully you haven't seen. And we don't tell you what it is, we just send it to you. We give you like a custom introduction that allows you to kind of hear a little bit about the movie, sort of pique your interest, what to look out for during the movie. You watch the movie with the, that we send to you and we've sent you popcorn as well, gourmet popcorn. And then afterwards we get together and have a kind of uh dissection of the movie and you know what how it was made and what happened in it and what you thought of it and what the meaning was and i give you a bit of insight into the you know uh, how it was made and what its place in movie history is so that's what we do and uh we've only been doing it a couple of weeks uh we've had a shout out on channel four this weekend actually so that was a big moment but uh you know we're getting we're getting we're just getting the word out about it so that's what we're doing at the minute and I can personally attest to the service because I've used it, and that's how Henry is actually on this show, and it's bloody good. It's good <laughs> stuff. Um, it's there very... you go. So, do you get like customize? Do you customize the popcorn depending on the film? Uh, no, we're not at that level of technology yet. But you know, now you've said that, I'm gonna. Well, this is why you need to bring me in, guy. Yeah. We could like um, we could work on this together. So, Max, um, I believe you recommended for Max Unforgiven, right? Which is one of the best westerns ever. And yes. um, so you should have got like chewing tobacco flavored popcorn or something to go down with that. You know what I got? That would have been awesome. Yeah. What got, did you get? I got cheddar popcorn. Cheddar? You, you got the cheddar, did you? I did. Oh, dear. I didn't How even know that's a thing. Have you eaten it? No, I'm, uh, I'm saving my movie night for Saturday. It's. Uh, I think gonna... it, I've heard it's quite good. I mean, all the others are like you know, toffee apple and something, and you know, that, cinnamon. That wouldn't have done it for me. I like the savory because my favorite popcorn flavor is dill pickle popcorn. Well, then things have worked out for the best, haven't they? Let's they be really honest. Have. They really have. Um, yeah. But yeah, the service is great. You, <laughs> Many people. You mainly. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a fantastic service. We had a good little chat when we were, when we were talking about films and stuff. And you, you kind of got my film taste very quickly and understood what I liked. And yeah, showed up very quickly with your nice, nice little video explaining about it, teasing what it was going to be. And then I opened it up and I was like, yeah, I've never seen this film. And surprising because everyone should have watched it by now. Um, and I'm very excited to watch it. So go check it out. What's the website link? Uh, uh, so people- we're, we're whitewallcinema.co.uk and there's a link, you know, you can just hit the menu, but it's whitewallcinema.co.uk forward slash home service because it's called home service. That's what we're calling it. Beautiful. Yeah. There we go. And that's why he's on the podcast because he's an expert in film. We're going to talk about film because all the episodes we've done previously giving you guys recommend recommendations for to enjoy during lockdown. You very much enjoyed. So before... Let's do another one, but a pure recommendation film one. Sound good? Yes! Love the enthusiasm. (laughs) Shall we do a top five, not a top five, top nine, just a general chat? So stupid, top nine. Who does that? Yeah, let's do it! We did. It was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do the number five. Oh, I love it. Henry, opinions yeah. on the drop. 
The drop? Is this a technical term for the music you just played? Correct. All right. Well, this this is what level of podcasting I'm at. Um, it was exciting. I feel uh, vibrations throughout my body. It's good. See, that's what I was going for. There you go. That's all we ever want from our drops is sexual arousal. That's <laughs> <laughs> all we ever want from our podcast and all that stuff. <laughs> it's all I want from life. <laughs> so we got nine films, three each. I'm excited because I don't. I know what's on your list, Jesse, but I don't know what's on Henry's. You know what's on mine? Who knows what's going to happen? And we're going to give you kind of a brief synopsis of what it's all about, why you should watch it. And we've tried to veer away from like, you should watch Empire Strikes Back because it's a really good movie movie and try to do something a little bit differently and just pick you've probably seen a lot of them or some of them but uh they're ones worth revisiting we're gonna tell you why god damn it so jessica yes do i get to start you do actually aha okay um <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna start with um a bit of a weird one i don't i think it's all right um so i'm starting with a james bond film it's a james bond film from 1964 and it is called goldfinger Goldfinger. Exactly. See, even the name just makes you sing the iconic song. Good fil- good songs are something that is lost in modern films, I think. Like, you need a song that's closely associated with a film. You mean with the actual song title? And it's lovely. Henry, have you seen Goldfinger? Uh, of course I've seen Goldfinger, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have to say that the thing about... Do you songs, like it? Songs I have to say, I think songs close, closely associated with films is a, is is like a, the hallmark of every bad eighties movie, ever. It's like we'll, we'll just but you know. Are they bad though? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, okay, they're so bad they're good, but I mean, you know, Footloose has the song Footloose. Flashdance Footloose. has the song Flashdance. I mean, you've got to be careful when you're associating with songs with films. But I I like the sentiment and the score for Goldfinger. That's big. The score. Yeah. Nice. So Goldfinger, um, like I said, made in 64. I think it was the um, it was the third Bond film overall. Um, Obviously, that makes it Sean Connery's third film as well. Um, And in my opinion, it was people love Dr. No. Right. And I like it, but it's people, I think, overhype it a bit. But Goldfinger to me is the first proper Bond film that has all the tropes that we all learn to love. And maybe get sick of from the Bond films. But this was the start of it. And it was awesome. You had an Aston Martin. There was a Bond girl called Pussy Galore, which is hilarious. Um, the um, villain is like e- proper evil dude, Auric Goldfinger. But he's not hes not like scary in the way that villains normally are. He's a proper Bond villain in that he's just fucking clever. And he's got all the sort of scary people around him, like Oddjob and people like that who do all the muscle but he's um, he's just the awesome guy. So um, the action scenes are obviously dated because it's 1964. What they do is they do the fight scenes and then they fast forward them. So it uh, looks so you think that they're fighting really fast. But when you watch it now, knowing what it looks like when you put a DVD on 1.5 speed or whatever, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> but I can't. I quite like that. Um, he. Um, so that's all good. Um, I'm just trying to think of uh, what actually happens in it. Um, so he, um, she gets paid so, in gold or something. Oh yeah, the bird gets paid in gold. Um, so that's bad. Um, and then he Goldfinger's trying to um, get into Fort Knox. That's it. And and he doesn't want to steal all the gold. He wants to infect all the gold with radiation so that um, he can always trace where all the gold is. And it's awesome. It's just such a mental plan. And he, and he nearly works it, but um, Bond stops him in the end. Spoilers. And um, it's great. Um, I have trivia, probably. 
Ulrich Goldfinger, the guy. What? We're never this prepared. <laughs> I well, I'd sort of have trivia. I just know things. I haven't like prepared. Um, so Pussy Galore, um, who the actress died um a few weeks ago. That's sad. Boo hoo. Um, but she lived to quite old, so it's all right. Um, but she um was the oldest Bond girl at thirty-seven years old. Um, until um Spectre when Daniel Craig has it off with um, the French lady who is married to the French virus dude in The Matrix Reloaded. Do you remember her? I do. With She's the boobs? Lovely. Yeah. So um, she was in briefly in this Bond film and Daniel Craig has it off with her. She was older. I think she was like 50, but she's like smoking hot like Marissa Tomei, like, you know, older lady, hot. And... Um, but yeah, it was Pussy Galore before that. That's one fact. Another fact is um, that uh, the guy that played Auric Goldfinger, um, briefly, Goldfinger, the film, was banned in a country. I can't remember which one because it came out that the guy that plays Goldfinger was in the Hitler Youth when he was a kid. He is a German man and then um, moved up into the Nazi party. But then some Jewish Not family came. Eh? It's, it's a non-stop party, baby. Let's <laughs> have a Nazi party. And um, then, but then so Jewish family came forward and um, said, oh yeah, he was in charge of us when we were imprisoned and he was actually really nice and looked after us and helped us escape. So he was a good Nazi. And um, so that's Goldfinger's story. Uh, and <laughs> um, finally... Um, because odd job is in this film and it's wrestling related, I can tell my odd job story. Can I tell it, Max? You've told it like four times, but why not? Why not? So, Henry, you might not know this story and um, it's wrestling related. I think you'll like it. So, Roddy Piper told this story, right? Okay. Yeah. So Roddy Piper told this story about um, odd job, who the actor who plays odd job was a professional wrestler, right? And he was in a tag team with Mr. Fuji back when Mr. Fuji was a wrestler before he became a manager. Now, they were wrestling in the territories and um, Oddjob, I can't remember his name, Oddjob wanted to go right behind the back of Mr. Fuji and spoke to a promoter to try and get a singles push going for himself. He wanted to become a world champion away from Mr. Fuji. Um, Mr. Fuji found out about this. And so without telling Oddjob that he knew that Oddjob was going behind his back, Mr. Fuji went, ah, why don't you just come over mine for a meal and we'll talk about where we want to take the tag team and all this. And it was like, okay, Oddjob was like, yeah, cool, I'll come round. So um, came round, Mr. Fuji made some spag bowl. By all accounts, it sounds like it was lovely. They ate the spag bowl, had a lovely time, had a chat. And then Mr. Fuji was like, hmm, I do actually know that um, you were going behind my back, which is why I've taken a bit of revenge on you. And Oddjob was like, what? And then Mr. Fuji goes into the kitchen and comes out with Odd Job's dog's head. He had killed Odd Job's dog, put him in the spag bowl, and fed his own dog to Odd Job. So, and this is the angle from, I mean, let's not get down this rabbit hole of de- terrible wrestling angles, but this is the angle of Big Boss Man years later, isn't it? And Al Snow? This is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. completely inspired from this real life scenario. Actually, so, happened though. That was that. This actually happened, and as you can imagine, the tag team dissolved soon after. Mm. Oh, well, I tell you, I'm never going to think about that story ever again. You can't <laughs> no, you can't see Odd Job without thinking of dead dog meat. Yes, that's why I'm never going to think of it again. I'm just going to pretend this hasn't happened. Yeah, that's literally Jesse's uh, go-to story. We'll be at nice dinner parties together, and yeah. it'll just be, uh, sir. Let me tell you. I don't understand because I tell that story, and like I laughed. 
like a hyena when I heard that story. <laughs> and every time I tell it, I'm just greeted with stunned silence. And yet you still continue to tell it. And you always tell it when we have guests on or we're guesting on other podcasts. <laughs> it's a film and a wrestling story. It's perfect. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a Venn diagram of, of, of this meeting. <laughs> so, uh, I, I didn't, I, I said, it wasn't that long ago that I watched Goldfinger. And uh, uh, even in your uh, lovely synopsis there, it, it just reminds me, and I, you know, I don't want to sound too... Uh, I don't sound too PC, but it does remind me of how wildly uh, sexist and uh, the movie is. It's quite a. It's quite, oh yeah, it's quite James Bond. Bond like, yeah, basically, he basically he does that porn thing where, um, you know, like in porn films, kids, when um, there's a bloke and he basically is assaulting a woman and like touching her against her will until eventually she goes, "Oh, all right." And, like, that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> That's what James Bond does to Pussy Galore in this film. And it does yes, feel it awkward it, watching it, it now. In James Bond's life all the time, doesn't it? But also just the whole... The painting gold thing. You know, he go, he go. the guy cheats at his games and James Bond is, like, up-chatting up the lady in the balcony whilst looking through binoculars. And then later a woman is painted gold and they leave... They don't leave one square of it uh, unpainted, like one small, so she she can't breathe through her skin, so she suffocates. Her skin suffocates. Is the plot? That's what happens. Do you remember this? Yes, yeah. And then I mean, <laughs> yes. And then later, James Bond is chained to what seems to be a uh, like a big chest freezer that's got a bomb in it, and that's the film for me. I, I'm not, you know, I I don't. I quite like some of the James Bonds, but. And Goldfinger, you're right, it is the one that has that kind of, um, uh, it has the most Bond kind of uh, characteristics. You know, it is the first proper Bond. But I have to say, I'm not, yeah, it's not my it's not my favourite Bond by a long way. And I'm not even a Bond fan as it goes, but yeah. I, well, I there's, to... there's nostalgia there oh, as well. Like oh. when I first saw it, I was a child. Do you know what I mean? So I associate <laughs> it with the warm and fuzzy times. What? <laughs> Sorry, just commentary on your your upbringing. Go around. All right, yeah, I've learned everything I know about women from this film. <laughs> uh, is it my turn yet? Yeah, go on, go for it. I'm glad everyone appreciated my pick. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta warm them up, Jesse. You gotta warm them up. Um, mine is 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 a foreign film, Jesse, with subtitles. Oh, for God's sake! And it's animated. Is it? Ba- oh, it's not Battle Royale then. I was hoping for Battle Royale. It's not Battle Royale. Excellent choice, though. I should have put that in. Why didn't I think of that? Carry on. You've still got two more picks. Um... I know what they are, though. I planned. <laughs> He's got facts, goddammit. So my pick uh, is a movie that I think everyone should watch. It's a movie by the name of Your Name. And it came out in 2016. And Your it's Name? Your Name, mate. It's and... called Max. No, it's called Your Name. Jesse. So the joke you would have done then is Jesse. And then we would have gone hey. back and forth. Henry, I'm confused. <laughs> so, the movie's called Your Name. It stars a boy and a girl, Jesse. Max. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll give you the quick synopsis. So, basically, it's uh, that there's a girl who lives in a small mountain town. She's very normal, lives with her grandma, nothing crazy going on. Sexy. And <laughs> weirdly, I've, actually, I've got a weird fact after this and then there's a high school boy who lives in tokyo and he works at this restaurant and he wants to become an architect or an artist or something like that um but every night they kind of have these strange dreams 
where he becomes this kind of high school girl and they kind of swap bodies. It's like Freaky Friday, but in Japan. And it's a very... I can't go into too much detail without giving away one of the major plot points. However, it is very enjoyable in the sense of they form this connection and they're both trying to get by living in each other's bodies. And then they kind of, you know, realize that, hmm, kind of like this person. And they kind of journey to find each other. Things are revealed stories are told it's really just a lovely movie jesse animation wise beautiful you love a bit of animated japanese film don't deny it i do you do and um one of the best animated directors out there at the moment he's also the movie such as uh five centimeters per second which is a never fantastic film and he just came out with another one called weathering with you and that's uh two also very good movies but it's so good like i cannot hype how good this movie is in terms of just the way it looks visually stunning and the actual story itself is like twists and turns and you're like oh my god i didn't see that coming so it's uh it's one i highly recommend people track down if you are into that world of kind of good japanese anime and you say you watched all of our ghibli movies that we recommended and you're like yeah this is some good shit this is the next one you need to get on your list it's called your name well i'll admit that my anime game is weak uh, it probably doesn't, it doesn't go past Akira, so that's probably about as as far as I mean. I've 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 got all the Studio Ghibli movies, so I mean I know that stuff inside out. But that's not really, you know, it's not quite the same ballpark, is it? It's mainstream, but, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You like well, you like wrestling, and wrestling is just redneck anime. Yeah, okay, that's, <laughs> that's an analogy that I'll carry with me. Um, but yeah, no, I, do, I, I think that um, it, it doesn't always jump out at me as the, as the first thing that I want to watch. But I mean, uh, Ghibli uh, stuff. I mean, there's some obscure ones in there. I mean, I really like Only Yesterday. I Excellent think that's choice. probably my favorite one of the Ghibli's, even though that's a little bit uncharacteristic. But um, yeah, I just, I have, I, it, and of your list that you sent to me when we were discussing about what we were going to do for home service, uh, you know, like telling me what your like favorite films were. That was the only one I think that I hadn't seen, so I kind of you know put it on one side already as something I might watch. Yeah, so thank you. you for that. You're very welcome. You see, Jess, I'm changing lives over here. Yeah, fucking old hasn't finger. Seen it yet. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to change his life though. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize IMDb was so perverted. I went on there to try and find some fun facts, and they do like uh, plot keywords that you can search films by. And the top five for this movie are Japanese high school girl. Upskirt, touching one's breast, hiked skirt, short skirt. Well, why didn't you say? I would have watched this years ago. <laughs> so, um, sort your life out, what, IMDb. What IMDb? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, who knows what happened to it, but it's gone crazy. So, please watch the this. Japanese um, like schoolgirls, don't they? They do, it's weird. They're totally cool with schoolgirls. It's like, it's fine. I don't think we can dissect the whole culture. We can, <laughs> we can learn from the Japanese. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack in that, even, what you just said. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in Jesse is what Henry's learning. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know where to go from that. It was a quick one, because I know neither of you would have watched it, and it's just something I wanted to kind of throw in there as a quick one that uh, Jesse will never watch, but Henry will. And I yeah. hope the listeners will have a 50-50 split as well. It's... Um, well worth it. He is fantastic. Please watch more of Makoto Shinkei because his films are beautiful. That is inspired. Thank you. I That's what I do on this podcast. Henry, you've got the gist of what we're doing here, so please 
lay it on us. What's All right, your well, pick? I'll throw out something. Um, I'm going to throw out, I mean, I want, first of all, know if you've seen it or not. Magnolia. Mm. Yes, I have seen Magnolia. So anybody that's seen Magnolia will know, like, how is it possible to describe the plot line of this movie? Well, it isn't. So there's no point really digging into the plot line per se. But basically... Cool, it's, my uh, turn! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, no, it's basically uh, uh, it's an ensemble piece. How's that? And it's it's got um, you know Philip Seymour Hoffman and William H Macy and John C Riley and Julianne Moore. Um, and but weirdly, uh, for a movie that is basically a kind of strange, I mean, it's about three hours. Kind of, and we're going to really put a lot of people off, I'm sure. But I, you know, I don't want to do that. It's like a three hour kind of melodrama about fate Ooh, good. and the real kind of revelation. I mean, it's basically all different characters. There's a, a, a guy who was a, a quiz kid who grew up, you know, he's kind of, he's older now and he's, his glory days are behind him and he's obsessed with having dental work and he's in love with the, the barman at the, 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 the bar that he goes into. And, uh, and the reason he's getting dental work is because the guy behind the bar has dental work. And then there's, uh, that's William H. Mason. There's John C. Riley, who's just a sort of cop who is a bit sort of, uh, it feels inadequate and feels uh, vulnerable, but he's supposed to be this sort of protector cop character. And then there's um, Julianne Moore, whose uh, husband is dying of, of uh, I think it's cancer in the movie. Uh, and actually the guy who's a very, very well-known actor who plays the husband, Jason Robards, had literally just come back from almost from his deathbed to play this character who was on his deathbed. So that's a pretty powerful performance. But all of the characters, many, many characters, they all link in with each other. And perhaps the most surprising thing about the film is Tom Cruise. Because I, you know, people would say good things, bad things about Tom Cruise. Some people hate him, some people like him. Uh, but in this film, he's a revelation. I mean, truly, it's one of the great uh, performances. The film came out in 1999. It's one of the great cinema cinema uh, performances of the decade. Genuinely, Tom Cruise really absolutely nails it. He plays a, uh, shall we say, uh, a misogynist motivational speaker. It's basically, he's about, he's basically about, you know, how can you get dates uh, with women through coercion? And he, he's, yeah, he's basically, you know, one of the worst human beings alive. But Tom Cruise, he's, he's, he's mental, but Tom Cruise playing it, you know, for obvious reasons, perhaps, is believable entirely. And to see the character go from the kind of peak of uh, arrogance and control and think he can control every, everything to basically breaking down towards the end of the movie, it's a, a revelatory performance. And, uh, yeah, it's by one of my favourite directors, Paul Thomas Anderson, who probably people know from... Um, Boogie Nights. There will um, be blood. There will be blood. Um, most recently, the last Daniel Day Lewis film, his last film that he's doing, which is Phantom Thread, which is a, a pure masterpiece. Uh, but this is the one for me that really, it, it really, really, really tuned me into cinema. And I think it just shows you so many possibilities about what cinema can be. Uh, there's a lot to say about Magnolia. I could go on about it forever. But yeah, <laughs> what do you think of it? I, I think it's um, it's an experience of a movie. It's um, one definitely I started watching when I properly started getting into cinema um, that my friend was like, you've got to watch this. And it does kind of open up your eyes to that kind of 
area of cinema that exists. And you're 100% right with Tom Cruise. And I love Tom Cruise. I always think I don't love Tom Cruise. And then I look back over his body of work and I go, yeah, he's all right in my book. He's just done some good Jesse, shit. thoughts on Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise, um, I like him. I, he seems like a nice dude. I know like all the Scientology stuff is weird and that, but um, he's always seemed like a nice man. Um, his teeth are not central when he smiles. That makes me a bit uncomfortable. Um, but other than that, yeah, top bloke. Top bloke. Um, this isn't just uh, the Tom Cruise movie, by the way. Everyone does bring in fantastic performances. Philip Seymour Hoffman, apparently. I haven't seen this, I'm afraid, uh, but I've just been googling it and a lot of people are saying that philip seymour hoffman is like just absolutely insanely brilliant in this film yeah yeah the nurse phil and it's one of the realist again very very understated very very real performance it might be hoffman's best role i'd agree with that yeah yeah for sure um and there's getting about the hunger games hunger games <laughs> <laughs> Excellent choice. Excellent, excellent choice. I think three good starts. So we've got Goldfinger, we got Your Name, and we got Magnolia. Solid start. Jesse, round two. Round two. two. Let's do this. Um, so I am I'm staying in the 60s, actually, which is odd for me. Um, but um, this is the Alfred Hitchcock film, Psycho. Now, I know this is like the most mainstream of mainstream films. But having said that, I think a lot of people haven't actually seen it, like, of this generation. They just know what they it is. They know it, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's actually worth a fucking watch, man, because it's so much more than just that famous shower scene, like you were just doing the music. Again, music with the film fucking rules. Um, but, like, um, it's so much more than that shower scene. The whole film is brilliant. Um, firstly, it's worth buying on Blu-ray because the um, old-style film on Blu-ray, on our big widescreen tellies that we all have today, just looks fucking gorgeous, especially the black and white stuff. I don't know what it is about it, but I've got this Hitchcock Blu-ray collection. I'm watching Psycho. It was like, it just popped off the screen. It looked incredible. Um, I really like that it's, um, again, one of those films that it's tropey now, but at the time, it was like, it had sexy bits in it. It had violence in it, which was so extreme for the time. And I really like um how like when it first came out everyone didn't really like it for that reason the reviews were really mixed from people who just didn't go to the cinema to see horrible shit whereas now it's like just standard cinema right jesus christ you won't have heard that but an update thing just happened on my laptop and it just screamed in my headphones anyway um <laughs> we have uh, and um so it's um, so it starts with this girl. She So the film starts, right? She's in bed with a bloke and they're not married, which is like in 1960s cinema, that's a taboo straight away that they're breaking. Um, she's in her bra, like that's sexy. You don't see that. Um, I know, 1960s, man. Like you just don't see that. Um, she then steals money from her employer and goes on the run. And you're like, oh, okay, if you're watching it, like not knowing Psycho, right? Like you're watching it thinking people in 1960s story this way. It's like, okay, this story is about this girl who's going on the run, having stolen this money. That's what this film is. Then she stays at a hotel, meets the guy that runs the hotel. And then the film completely turns on its head with the famous shower scene. So who the girl we thought was our lead in the movie is killed and uh, by, you know, what looks like an old lady from the brief glimpses we see. And as the film goes on, um, the inquiries start of like who's been murdered. And then we get to the end and we find out 
that Mr. Bates um, has been keeping his mum's corpse and has a split personality where he basically is his mum and kills people in this hotel as his mum, which is fucking weird. Like, and in 1960, it's that sort of shit just wasn't talked about. Like, it's weird psychological shit just wasn't talked about back then. And I just love it for all of its tropes and all of its groundbreakiness. Groundbreakiness is a great word. Well done. Uh, you're 100% right. Like, it's what? it's a reason why it's one of the quintessential movies and it's why it's one of Hitchcock's greatest because it was so left field as a film. And I remember when I first watched it, it was like, holy shit. And I watched it not that long ago when I first saw it. It was, what would have been, like eight years ago when I first saw this movie? Um, when I was going through the Hitchcock stuff. And it, it still kind of blew my mind a bit then, even though I knew what was coming. It's amazing. And also, Hitchcock um, encouraged a no-late admission policy, which um, is very unusual in cinema, even now. Like, imagine turning up a bit late to a film and just being told, nope, you can't come in. Like, Hitchcock wouldn't let anyone into the cinema if they were slightly late. You have to be there from the start or you're not allowed. That's the way it should be. There should be yeah, rules I agree. about that. There should be rules about that. But I th- think the thing about the hit psycho, I think it really is, like you say, it's a groundbreaker because that and then um, what what year did you say it was? 1960 it came out. Okay, so only within a few years of that, you talk about that. The begin, that's the beginning of the change around in terms of the breaking down of the Hayes Code which is the you know the the code that which hollywood self imposed upon itself so that church groups wouldn't be up in arms about you know violence and sex in movies and it's by the the, the sort of closing of that era is bonnie and clyde which i think is 67 and that's when you know basically right. psycho is like the first one that really sort of takes the gloves off and by 67 when bonnie and clyde is out you you're almost at like you're almost tarantino-esque in what you're doing, you know, you're almost at that kind of level of, of, uh, of, of, you know, what people would call gratuitous violence. I wouldn't say that applied to Bonnie and Clyde or, or Psycho, but I mean, you know, this certainly would have been seen as gratuitous violence at the time. Uh, well, you look at, you... look at, look at Goldfinger, my first choice. That's four years later. That's 1964, and he's shagging and killing everything that moves. Yeah, <laughs> for many, many movies in a row. Uh, but yeah. I think the thing about like you, you're right that people kind of dismiss Psycho, and also think The Birds falls into that category. People, the two movies are the sort of big, heavy Hitchcock hitters. You know, they're the ones that people know about. Um, I would say personally, and I, I know that kind of it's a little bit cliche if you're like a movie critic, but um, North by Northwest and Vertigo for me are the like prime Hitchcocks. But I mean, I've seen all like. Every one, there's like many, many, many of them. I don't know, there's 40, 50 of them, and I've seen them all. But it's for me, there's a there's me, all loads of them are great, but North by Northwest and Vertigo are the ones that really stick in the memory. North by Northwest is loads of fun, and Vertigo is just start to finish, flat out masterpiece. I mean, usually, if you do it, if you did a, a critics list for the last 15, 20 years. For a long time, it was that Citizen Kane was the number one film of all time, right? But in the last sort of five, ten years, that's changed to Vertigo. So generally, critics put Vertigo as the best film of all time. As they should, because Vertigo is better than Citizen Kane. Yeah, I agree. Right. Okay. Excellent choice, Jesse. You can't argue with Hitchcock. No doubt about it. And Thank you. Have it, I it, redeemed myself? You have. Like, there was nothing wrong with Goldfinger, man. It's just... Uh, Good. 
Well, there's more. Uh, this film has more like sexy and killing in. So I'm starting to realise like that that might be my thing. I didn't realise until just now. Just realised this, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Sex and murder. I can't wait till we get a psychiatrist on this show. It's gonna be fantastic. Um, <laughs> no, that is a good choice. And I do say to people like, if you haven't really explored Hitchcock as a filmmaker, if you go, oh, it's too old, or it's it's not. It's it's fantastic. All of his movies are just not only lessons for like cinema goes, they're just fun movies to watch. Even if you're not a big film buff, they're just great films to watch casually. And, and even the dated bits are, cause there are a few dated bits like in psycho when um, the um, police officer gets pushed down the stairs. Like it looks so dated as he's falling cause the camera's on him. But even the dated bits are sort of, you could laugh at them, but still enjoy the film. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. The storytelling my is so favorite, good. My favorite kind of like Hitchcock innovation is in the beginning of, um, in in the beginning of, of Vertigo, where Jimmy Stewart's hanging off the roof, you know, and he's gonna, it actually happens a couple of times in the movie, but he he basically creates forced perspective where you move the camera forward but zoom back at the sort of but move back at the same time or zoom out and move forward. See what I'm saying? Do the opposite, and yeah. it creates crazy kind of like vertigo kind of inducing feeling of the camera just makes it woozy and everybody uses it like across all movies forever but it's like one of the great innovations of cinema and it's just like in the beginning of the film it's great and that's why he's one of the kind of groundbreaking ones but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna lay on my my number two now and it's hard to follow hitchcock it's hard to follow hitchcock um this is a movie that I wish I'd put on my list to you Henry um I sent you the list and I forgot to include it because and the thing with this movie is it kind of divided critics, but it has such a strong cult following as a film. And it didn't get the best release in Europe, so I want to know if you guys have seen it, but Across the Universe. I haven't seen it. I know the one you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. Jesse? I have not seen it, and I do not know exactly which one you mean. Okay, so it got a very... Not limited release, it was fine in North America. So I saw this when I was living in Canada and it was just like everyone watched it and we watched it multiple times. So Across the Universe, it's a fictional love story that's set in the 1960s and it's part of like the anti-war protest era, the free speech, civil rights, all of that kind of stuff. And it's um, got the backdrop of the Vietnam War as well. And it's a musical featuring Beatles tracks. So it's got, I think, about 33 Beatles songs on it, but it's... 34. 34. I'm Googling it, baby. You're Googling already. Thank you, buddy. Um, So it's got the backdrop of the Vietnam War, and it's a love romance between this, like, upper-class American girl and this Liverpudlian artist who kind of comes across to the States. And it is fantastic in the sense of... It's just a lovely afternoon movie. If you're in that kind of, I need a recommendation, I want to watch some kind of musical but with songs i recognize then across the universe is really the great choice because it's uh it's it's not bohemian rhapsody that's actually a good film so um i was waiting for you to get angry then jesse i didn't hear what you said say i was reading about it say it again oh i said bohemian rhapsody is a terrible terrible film terrible <laughs> terrible film terrible what rocket man did it better anyway rocket man is totally different film it's different vibe everything about ah carry on (laughs) so this movie uh stars van rachel wood jim sturges it's got fantastic performances uh from people like dana fuchs martin luther tv carpio all beautiful vocalists even got bono in it but we'll ignore Uh, that fact he just does the walrus song it's fine and 
It's uh, it's a great. Who ex- calls themselves Bono? Who does it? It sounds like a who fucking got- biscuit. Who goes, I need a cooler name. I'm going to call myself Bono. Yeah, what but then we then we'd be arguing the merits and the merits of the guitarist calling himself the Edge, and we really haven't got a leg to stand on, have we, when it comes to Edge? So you know, it's 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 just mm. yeah, you got to have one name, haven't you? It's cool. That whole band's a mess. Let's just it's all agree cool. that the it's whole not, band's a mess. It's not cool. Okay, um, I'll go back to talk. Bono's like 10 minutes in the movie and you've already taken this and ran with it. Um, but they they do a fantastic job of telling this really beautifully crafted story of him kind of coming to America and it's just done in a very trippy way. So it, it harks on the protest songs and the anger and civil rights. It also does all of like the drug trippy stuff that the Beatles got into and just crafts this really nice story and picks some of probably the Beatles' greatest songs to feature and perform in this and no one butchers it everyone does a fantastic job um the character of sadie the, has one of the most visceral you know those voices that i like jesse those female voices are just like really gritty your brodies and that kind of Brody stuff down. yeah, yeah. Good, like smokes 50 a day birds yeah so she sings a version of uh why don't we do it in the road and she hits this note which makes me quiver in a very funny way and i'll send you it later it's very enjoyable and it's just worth checking out for everyone to to watch this movie, to kind of go into that escapist kind of 60s, enjoy some good music that you're listening to, and just really enjoy it. And it, I was sad that it never got a wider release. You can get it on Amazon Prime now, um, that you can rent it on Amazon Prime. But it never really got a wider release. But Paul McCartney watched it at the premiere. He said he loved it. Uh, same for um, Ringo said it was absolutely fantastic as a movie as well so the, there's a lot of good support behind it and my favorite support is uh our dear friend matthew Steele, who despises musicals with an absolute passion he's a big film buff but he hates musicals with an absolute passion i made him watch this in our first year of university and he said it was fantastic and he loved it I was talking to him yesterday because he's my the, the Tony Hawk remaster has been announced for anyone listening in the future, um, and um, he's my Tony Hawk nemesis. So we were um, basically saying fighting words to each other yesterday. I was enjoying that. <laughs> you needed a bit of pepper with your steak. <laughs> um, so yeah, have a watch. Watch the trailer. See what you think. Go on to Amazon Prime. Check it out because it's just fucking beautiful. Well, I, I've heard of it, definitely. I've not got around to watching it. I, d- I don't mind a musical. There's lots of good musicals. Uh, there's many terrible musicals, but there's lots of good musicals. So. It's one of the best kind of film musicals. Like, you know, that there's a lot of bad film musicals, but I, I'd mm. say this is kind of up there. Jukebox mm. musicals are always the best as well. Like, exactly. They're, sort of, they're, look, they're looked down on by sort of musical aficionados in film and theatre. But if you know the tunes, it's just more fun, right? Remember when mm. um, so me and Jesse went to the it was at Pride and they had the <laughs> the um, screenings on the beach down in Brighton, right? And they were playing Moulin Rouge. It was such a beautiful date. It was amazing. So like we we had this um, cinema on the beach. We went to watch Moulin Rouge, and it was just like you, me, and the girls with our own little cabin. No one else was there. No, it didn't sell well at all. But that was That's fine. I, I really Rouge, enjoyed that. Yeah, but Moulin Rouge is amazing. I, can, I, I cannot do Baz Luhrmann. I, I hate him with a passion. It's just, <laughs> he, speaks, oh. he speaks very highly of you, I've heard. Well, the, the lovely guy. But seriously, oh, just, I mean, that great Gatsby film. Oh, 
I just cannot even. I, I, there's not even I, after that movie. I, I I was just. What's the guy in it? Toby Spider Man. Toby. Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. After that, I was just like, I am done with Toby Maguire. Ooh. I am oh. I'm through. Max. Yeah. It's like it's like this guy has googled me and found out everything I like, and he's just come on here, and he's destroying everything close to me. That's why I invited him. I was like, oh, so. Uh, <laughs> What are your thoughts on Chris Benoit, Moulin Rouge? <laughs> don't bring, don't Jet bring Chris into this. <laughs> uh, um, so I just went one, two. Oh, yeah, Henry. Sure. Going back, hang on, hang on, hang on. Going hang on. back to this Sorry. film, um, two things about um, the Beatles that yeah. I want to talk about. Number one, um, you know the album cover of Revolver? Yes. Um, I bought I bought a T-shirt that's on its way to me, which is that, but with characters of Sesame Street, which is brilliant. It Again, looks really good. Jesse finding stuff on Facebook he shouldn't be buying. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And secondly, um, I think I mentioned this to you when we were chatting the other day, Max. But I recently found out that Paul McCartney has a solo album called Kisses on the Bottom, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel like subconsciously I've put this movie in just so you can get that fact in. <laughs> Jesse, this should be your new record collection. <laughs> um, cool. That, that was all I wanted to say. Move on. I appreciate it. Thank you for the Beatles fact. You could have picked any and you went with those two. <laughs> uh, Across the Universe, it's a lovely musical romance movie for a nice Sunday. Get people in the mood. Over to you, Henry. Okay, so we're kind of talking about musicals and this one is in a roundabout kind of way a musical because I would say it's probably, but it's different because I think it's probably the only movie the only movie that I know of where the there's two lead characters, but the music is probably the third central character in the movie. It's probably, I think, I'm going to say, it's the best use of music in any movie ever. That's a statement. You're making How a statement that? right now. So we're talking about Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Oh, Amadeus. Yeah, I mean, that's not in the movie, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, it came out, came out in 84, so it's the yeah, that you're right in that sense. Um, and it's by Milos Forman, who's the probably best known for being the director of One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, and do you, you ever see The People versus Larry Flint? I, I'm yeah. annoyed you're not saying Man on the Moon, but okay. Man on the Moon, yeah. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a well known director, but um, for me, Amadeus, I mean, he won. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Kirk Douglas was the original uh, orig original person who owned the rights to One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest. So when they were doing um, One Flow of the Cuckoo, he was doing it on stage. It was a stage play. And Kirk Douglas didn't wanted to turn it into a movie, but didn't really know what to do with it. So he ended up passing it on to his son, Michael Douglas. And so Michael Douglas was the producer of One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest. And when Milos Forman and Michael Douglas went to the Oscars in, uh, good question, what year? Uh, Cuckoo's Nest came out uh, late, mid to late seventies. Uh, they won, I think, six or seven Oscars. And you know, Milos Forman said to him, uh, "Sorry, Michael Douglas said to Milos Forman, the director, uh, this is, you know, it's all downhill from here, Milos." And Milos said, "Well, you know, speak for yourself, Mikey." And then I don't know, seven years later, they're both at the Oscars in '84, and Amadeus walks out with eight of them. So it it is an absolute. Um, and he, he makes that point known to Michael Douglas is my point, but it's, it's just, it's about Mozart basically. And he is, um, 
It's not really about Mozart, actually. It's about a guy called Salieri, and it's very, it's not historically accurate, takes big liberties, but Salieri is like the court composer in Vienna. You know, if you had, if you were a king, you had to have a composer, right? Obviously, you have to have a guy that does everything. And this, he had a court composer, and he was obsessed with Mozart. He loved him. And he, at the beginning of the movie, is him waiting to see, because in those days, you know, you didn't know what Mozart looked like, you just heard the songs. And it's this movie can be kind of summed up with, by him waiting to see who Mozart is. And it turns out that Mozart is just sort of chasing his girlfriend round underneath tables and, and like um, gorging on food. And it's basically a bit of a, he, do, he isn't, it does not reflect the divinity of his music, shall we say. So Amadeus is basically about Salieri's jealousy, raging jealousy of how good Mozart is. And no matter what Salieri does, he just cannot ever write anything that's in a uh, in the vein of Mozart, and he ends up, you know, without spoiling it, but he ends up getting um, he ends up uh, driving himself to madness and driving uh, Mozart to uh, his great an early grave, basically. So this movie is another one you could have sent me in the sense of. I know it very well in the sense of, because I always watch um, film lists and uh, there's a great YouTube channel, which I'm blanking on right now, but they do these amazing top five and top 10 lists on films. And Amadeus always comes up in that list, like always, whether it's from um, a filming perspective or as you were mentioning, a music musical perspective, it's just always in that list as one of those films. And it's something that I've always wanted to get around to watching because it does sound fantastic. And I've seen so many videos of praising this film that I feel like I've watched it. It's like what we were talking about earlier with the psycho <laughs> analogy, where it's like you think you know it because you've heard about it so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I am excited to check out Amadeus. Um, that brings us on to round three, final round, final choices. Feeling nervous, Jesse? Uh, no, I think, I think I've got a pretty solid um, choice for my number one. Um, it's um, a film that... Um, I was reading reviews about it just now, um, and it says that anyone born who was growing up in the 80s um, looks at this as a era-defining coming-of-age film. But I didn't grow up in the 80s, and I still feel like that. I feel like if you see this film at the right age, it doesn't matter what when you're born. Do you know what I mean? It is um, Rob Reiner directed based on a Stephen King story, and it is called Stand By Me. Now, Stand this film, Stand another exactly, one. another one. I didn't yeah. even do this on purpose, guy. It's just got like um, all these films that have like these iconic songs next to him. Um, so this is about four kids who um, live in some rural American town. They hear about um, a kid has gone missing after he went walking on the train tracks. And they're like, ah, um, he's probably dead. I've like, been hit by a train. But if we find this body, then um, we're going to be like celebrities. Let's go find them. So these four kids just start walking on the train track, retracing the steps of this other kid um, to try and find him. And it's just their All it is is their journey from that to finding the kid. But as they go along, they um, sort of talk to each other about their feelings. They get into a couple of adventures. Kiefer Sutherland is in it as like an older bully and he plays a fucking blinder. I would say... Like, this is one of Kiefer Sutherland's best performances in a weird way. He was only, like, a, in his early 20s or a teenager or something, but he plays the bully, and he's really good at it, like, properly scary. Um, the kids in it are stunning. Like, kid actors generally are fucking terrible, right? But they just struck gold with these. They had River Phoenix, they had Will Wheaton, 
They had Corey Feldman and the fat kid. I can't remember his name. And uh, <laughs> and um, they, but they're just brilliant. And I saw an interview with Rob Ryder, and he said the reason they're so good is because we didn't try and get the kids to act. We just cast the kids like as the characters. We just found these kids who were these characters in real life and just let them go. And it works, man. The chemistry between them is incredible. The story is just lovely. It's just an awesome film, man. It's based on um, a short story called The Body by Stephen King, which is in the same collection of short stories as Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. So Stephen King was having um, some creative years. He was having a good day. He was having a good day. He was, yeah. He he treated himself to a biscuit after he wrote them, I reckon. I bet he did. I bet he did. Um, River Phoenix is one of those mysteries in film of just like what he could have accomplished if he hadn't have died. And in this, I don't think I'll ever be as cool as River Phoenix and Stand By Me. He's amazing, right? And this, and weird, like, I hope this doesn't sound too weird, but um, I was watching this film with um, an ex-girlfriend of mine, uh, I don't know when, like eight years ago or so. So we were in our early 20s and we were watching it and she goes... River, I know River Phoenix is like 12 in this film, but he's weirdly hot. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I sort of know what she meant. Do you know what I mean? He just sort of carries himself with this sort of He's got that aura, doesn't he? Yeah, it's He's really always weird. had it for like his very limited career that he had. He always had that aura about him whenever he kind of acted. Kind of yeah, James exactly. He had that kind of coolness about him, even from such a young age. And and you're right, Stand By Me just has that encapsulating image of just that childhood innocence of just exploration. Because this is what me and my friends used to do. We used to live out in the country, you just go for a walk, and then you just go on a little adventure, and you'd, oh, I heard about this down by the lake. Let's go check it out. Country bumpkin style, right? We didn't get yeah, it, almost run over by trains, but uh Dude, it but it reminds me of like, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Chicksbury, the little town that I grew up in, um, and you grew up in like a tiny village by it. Like in our summer holidays and stuff, we would do that sort of shit because we were surrounded by countryside and we had the old railway lines and scramble track and shit like that. Like it's just where you hung out. It just makes me it just takes me back to being a kid, man. I absolutely love it. If yeah. I, if I if I was gonna I if I was going for a Rob, I have to say that if I was going for a Rob Reiner, Stephen King combo, I think Misery's the one. Misery, Misery is a great film. Um, it's it is fantastic, but in such a different way to this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like this yeah. is this is another warm and fuzzies sort yeah. of film for me. Oh yeah, Misery's a wild ride. Yeah, it's not warm and fuzzy in the slightest, is it? <laughs> but we say this is warm and fuzzy, but there's you know the hunting for a dead body. There's yeah. Knives being pulled. There's like quite a bit of. I know it's nearer to the end of the movie and stuff, but there is quite a intense final kind of sequence that you kind of see in this movie. Well, and I mean, there's Rob two Reiner, things. Go on, Henry. Rob Reiner is just sort of underrated, really, as a director. He's done uh, a bunch of great films, and I think the thing about you know Stand by Me or any of these movies, or even Misery. Or something like uh, When Harry Met Sally. I mean, that's not, you know, it it now seems like, oh, well, you know, When Harry Met Sally, it's just sort of, you know, you, you take it for granted. But that was a, a real kind of uh, in uh, turning, it turned the genre on its head a little bit because it yeah. has subtleties that um, other movies of that same genre, just as Stand By Me does, it's a coming of age thing. It has that dark undertone, just as, you know, When Harry Met Sally has kind of, 
quips that uh you know were completely kind of it was new territory you know even though it now we just take it for granted yeah and i think that's he did that's spinal done. tap for fuck's sake which is like, yeah that's he's the beginning uh, of the movie isn't he defining. Yeah, he, he was able to go into different genres and kind of, as you say, flip them on the head. Like, this this is a coming-of-age kid adventure movie, but it's very similar to the styles that we see now and what a lot of people have taken from. You look at movies like Stranger Things um, as a TV show and how popular that was, borrows very, very heavily from Stand By Me as a film. Mm. Yeah, and it's all about having the right kids, man. Like, uh, they got to be... Um, <laughs> he said as he went to prison. Because <laughs> River Phoenix was so sexy. Um, <laughs> but it is, like, you you get you get kids that... Um, I say act, but like I said, Rob Reiner tried not to get the kids to act. He just got them to be themselves, really. But if you get that, you've got lightning in a wall. I think Rob Reiner's got a lot more... People should probably pay a lot more attention to Rob Reiner. I mean, A Few Good Men was such a massive movie. And people mm. never talk about that. I mean, or... Um, it's just sort of been lost, you know. Or like, so he's in the beginning of Sparta. You know, he's he's Leo's dad in the Wolf of Wall Street, isn't he? Rob um, Reiner. I did not know that. No, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't. Um, Reiner, yeah. You know, he's at the beginning of Final Tap. He's Marty DeBergi, the film director. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. Everyone, pay more attention to Rob Reiner. God damn it. Mm, yeah, he's good. poor old Rob. Another good thing about this film is a lot of uh, what they say in it, like quotes from it, have found their way into just my common parlance. Like, um, you'll know, Max, I regularly tell you to suck my fat one. Yep. That, that's directly from Stand By Me. And um, also, um, I believe I've um, said to you on a few occasions, um, I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck. That's um, also a line yeah, that Corey Feldman nice, screams. That's uh, picture of our relationship. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. They're both lifted from this film. There must be something about Rob Ryan, though, because, you know, everyone was saying you want the truth, you can't handle the truth from a few good men. The amount of lines that people would quote, you know, generally from The Princess Bride, which is his, you know... Like, yeah, of course it is, with Andre what? the Giant. Yeah, Anybody yeah. Anybody want a peanut? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inconceivable. You know, these things are... All the films have, you know, Spinal Tap, probably the most quotable movie ever made. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's good argument for it. Yeah, he knows how to get an actor to turn a phrase, doesn't he? Yeah. He should probably be writing for Vince McMahon to get some uh, catchphrases going. <laughs> but it's good. I like Rob Reiner. Yeah, and I think Stand By Me is a fantastic choice in the sense... It's not one I go back and revisit, but but as you've been talking about it, Jesse, I'm, I'm kind of getting that itch to go back to it. Like, I know I like it, I know I love it, and I've really enjoyed watching it, but I never oh, revisit dude. it. And the main, the main kid who we're sort of seeing everything through the point of view of, um, Will Wheaton's character, who is called Gordy, um, is sort of um, semi. Um, it's sort of semi autobiographical. You can tell from Stephen King because this kid has like a real gift of making up stories, and that's his thing. And he sort of wows all of his mates. So when they're bored, like when they're settling down for the night on their trip to find this body, and they're like, "Oh, tell us a story, Gordy," and um, he does. But when he does, they. Um, use like his imagination to film. Do you remember the? It's the pie eating contest where the fat ass is getting his revenge on everyone, and it's just, it's just beautifully done. The way that um, they film this made up story, but they film it with these really popping colours that the rest of the film doesn't have to show, and it really feels like a um, child story come to life. Do you know what I mean? On te- on screen, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Okay, I've uh, I've got a lot to do this weekend. 
Yeah. Oh man, I want to watch it again now. I might watch it tomorrow. <laughs> While you're meant to be working. Uh, no, I got tomorrow off. Oh yeah, mate. you have you have tomorrow off. I forget. Silly me, silly me. Yeah. Um. The the fat ass that Jesse calls. Uh, his name is Jerry O'Connell. He is a human being, and he probably has a family. He's, he's in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, he's grown up to be not a bad looking bloke. But um, yeah, he was a fat, freckly little nit in Stand By Me. They always do look at Goonies. He was. Uh, he turned out pretty alright. I think the only fat kid from TV. Is the Mighty Kids, Mighty Ducks one? He turned out to be a meth addict, so. Oh yeah, he did. That was he, bad, wasn't it? He was he did, good. He did get skinny, but not in a good way. No. What about the fat kid who did the truffle shuffle? If that's who you were just talking yeah, about. Goonies. Yeah, Goonies. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Life hasn't gone well for him, probably. No, he's doing all right. He's he's more of a writer director type. Oh really? Well, um, they recently did a Zoom meeting with all of the cast from the Goonies, like literally everyone, like Josh Brolin and uh, Steven Spielberg. Everyone was there. Um, yeah, talking about the movie. I I love the Goonies so much. I like the Goonies. There's another underrated guy, Josh Brolin. Josh that Brolin, guy. fantastic. Josh Brolin's one of those actors. Like now, he's become very mainstream as an actor, but there was that definite period where he would just be in movies and you wouldn't know it was Josh Brolin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when he showed up in the remake of True Grit, and then I was like, "Who is that guy?" Yeah, and you don't was... play, you, to begin with. I didn't thread him into the movies that he was in, and I always thought he was good, and never really kind of realizing it was the same person. Yeah, he's so, always been around. Milk, been wasn't around. he? That was good. And Milk, he did well in that. Yeah, Milk was fantastic. Yeah, in a lot of good films. God bless you, Brolin. Okay, my pick. Um, I didn't put these in order, by the way. I was just kind of whatever tab was open when I uh, when I looked. So apologies. So mine is a another kind of fairly recent one, a drama romance sci-fi, an odd combination, if you will. And it was released in 2013, written and directed by Spike Jones, her. Hmm. Mm, he says mm. with intrigue. Was that a good hmm or a bad hmm? Uh, well, I'll let you do the thing, but I'm going to gonna rain on it and say, I think her's a little overrated. <gasps> we can get into that in a minute. Do the, tell about her, you know, talk about it. I think it's... Jesse, have you seen her? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> so basically, in the near future, this came out in 2013. Your series weren't that advanced at the time, so this did seem quite far flung, but now I can see it happening. A lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship with its operating system designed to meet his every need. So basically, he's got this AI in earpiece and its little camera as well that is very intuitive and knows what he likes and it just you can just kind of have conversations with it and talk it it doesn't hurt the fact that the voice of the ai robot is scarlett johansson who has one of wasn't it no it was uh, samantha morton and they replaced her with scarlett johansson good because scarlett johansson has one of the sexiest voices (laughs) on this planet and if she was talking to my ear all day i'd probably fall in love with a robot as well and it's just this beautiful kind of near futuristic exploration of loneliness and love and i re i rewatched it recently and you can definitely see the parallels of kind of where we're heading and how intelligent ai tech can get to like this is what i do in my day-to-day job ai and all that kind of stuff so it's definitely something that could be on the horizons in the future and to see this kind of connection which you would have because he's recently divorced and he gets his ai tool and you just start talking and it's like a normal conversation 
there's no difference. You don't know that it's a robot. It's not like when you say, hey, Alexa, and you're, oh, hello, that kind of disconnect. It's a fully it's, flowing conversation that you kind of have between it. I know you're like in Iron with, Man's mate. Like Iron Man's mate, Friday. Yeah, there you go. But imagine it's Scarlett Johansson whispering softly in your ear. And it's just really... Just be- <laughs> you're very quiet when you do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now to sleep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he kind of finds himself dealing with this kind of great joy and doubt because he knows he's falling for this AI machine and he's falling for this robot, but he knows it's taboo and you can't really have that kind of relationship with something that's not there and people would find it weird. And then he's trying to come to terms with that and the AI is kind of flirting back with him and there's this connection that they they feel and he's trying to relate to it on a on a subhuman level of trying to understand, wow, this isn't the normal construct of love of what I've been known to no love as but i am definitely feeling that usual sense and i think it's also you would like if someone is that tuned into your likes and your dislikes and they kind of have that compatibility which this the purpose of this ai has of course you're kind of probably going to fall for it right like if it's if it's saying jesse if someone scarlett johansson's whispering in your ear and she's like chris benoit is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, keep up, babe. <laughs> so we all know this. <laughs> and you'd have quite a lengthy conversation and uh, you probably would end up trying to have sex with it. Uh, yeah, but um, take it from me, sticking your wag in electrical appliances does not end well. <laughs> Jesse Benz, 2020. <laughs> um, and that should be on my gravestone. <laughs> it will be, the, the way you go. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> um, it, I, I think it's just a lovely movie. I don't really see it as overrated. I'll get to that in a minute with, with you, Henry. It's <laughs> I watched it in the movie, and this is one of those movies where I knew I had to go watch it by myself. I love watching movies by myself in the cinema. It's one of those ones I kind of went away from, and I just kind of, I had a nice feeling inside, and it's just a very nicely paced story and the way to kind of tell it spike jones is fantastic um dude i was just looking him up he's the man spike jones is great i was gonna say this is jesse's perfect person so he's behind jackass and he's recently released a new apple documentary on the beastie boys which i haven't watched yet but i'm dying to but it basically follows ad rock mike d talking about the whole history of beastie um which is meant to be insanely good he directed a bunch of their music videos as well yeah um, yeah that's and- where you got to start in music videos he founded, he co-founded, yeah, yeah, he's done some amazing shit. And he co-founded um, Girl Skateboards, which I had a girl skateboard when I was a kid. Um, and um, uh, what else did I see here? Uh, the magazine Dirt, which um, was an American magazine, so I never had it. But you sort of heard about it when you were um, into skateboards like as a teenager and Googling and finding out everything you can. You always heard about Dirt magazine. Yeah, so the guy is, I, I want to... I've always said Spike Jones is one of those people that if I could have a beer with, you know, those three people that you could always have a beer with, Spike Jones is one of them because I know we'd be best friends immediately. <laughs> um, and I think her is just one of those weird, because he's done like John Malkovich and Adaptation, which are, are very odd movies as well. Um, but her is just, I think, that kind of more accessible level for people to get into and and really enjoy. So, yeah, for me, that uh, that's one of my absolute favourites. If I want to kind of have a nice chill day, go on a nice journey, it's a bit romancy, but it's also kind of sci-fi and a bit weird. Number one choice. 
Well, well I, that's I'm, lovely. I'm not going to pour a load of scorn on her after that beautiful speech, but <laughs> well, I'll say. Oh yeah, when Max talks, you don't scorn. <laughs> so I do beautiful is, speeches. I think the thing about her, I mean, the one of the biggest best things about her is actually the costume design. Like yes. the way they've made basically 1940s women's clothing for men. Yeah. It's, like, the, col- it's a really, the color palette in her is Some incredible. of those like, design details are really, really nice. I mean, I just think, I mean, there's a film that Spike Jones made for Absolute Vodka, uh, not to do a plug, but like he made a film about two robots falling in love prior to her, which has a lot of the same kind of, I mean, you know, it, it. I guess it's almost like Daft Punk esque, but it ties in this kind of robots in love, you know, theme. Um, actually, I must. I also must shout out. Have you ever seen Electric Dreams? Do you know the song Electric Dreams? Yes. We'll always be together forever in electric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That there's a mood. That's from. That's a te- uh, one of those. Another those astonishingly tasteless song to movie tie-ins from the eighties, right? It's a movie called Electric Dreams, and it's about a guy who gets a really like new computer, and he leaves it at home, and it like he it has like a it does like a violin concerto through the wall to the woman that lives next door, and she plays back. It's insanely crap, but, <laughs> but it's just kind of wonderful as well because it's terrible. I mean, it's like her, but it's like her, but make it shit. <laughs> um, whose go is it now? Where are we? What day is it? This is the main event, baby. Henry, you've got the main slot. Don't fuck it up. Okay, what, the last one? Is this it? Is this me? This is it. This is it, baby. And I'm going to have to say, for Francis Ford Coppola, it is the movie that Coppola made between Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, The Conversation. Oh, good choice. Do you know, have you seen this one? Yes, yes, yes. So that is like about a guy called Harry Call, played by Gene Hackman who is a lonely guy who is into surveillance. And he, I mean, it's his job. He's a, he, he's a surveillance agent. I mean, he's not a, not for the government. He does it privately. And, uh, you know, big corporations or governments even can hire him to eavesdrop on people. He's basically a professional eavesdropper. And the beginning of the conversation as a movie is him with his team, like recording a conversation of two, of a young couple in a square, uh, and as the movie, you know, they, they sort of try and piece it together because in those days the technology was that you had to, you know, bug it from several different sources and then kind of piece it together. And you couldn't always hear because they have a lot of background noise because they deliberately picked a public square and all the rest of it. And the movie just basically unfolds as the conversation unfolds because he basically pieces together the conversation, even when it's kind of, he can hear almost everything they're saying he still doesn't entirely know what it means and as as the movie goes along he gets the context of what the conversation is it's an absolute masterpiece of kind of piece by piece revelation it's not it's a thriller but it's a very um gentle it's a tasteful thriller you know mm-hmm. and it just builds and builds and builds it's got like a young harrison ford in it and um it has you know again a great cast it's john Cazali who you might know as um What's the brother in the Godfather? It was you. It was you, Fredo. Is it Fredo? Fredo, yeah. yeah it was you all along. That, that you know. And, yeah, he's in the Deer Hunter. You know, uh, this guy. He's in, he's in Dog Day Afternoon. This guy. He's brilliant in it. But it's just, it just shows you. It's a movie about paranoia, 
and kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, loneliness and paranoia. It sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is, it is a fantastic movie. Like Gene Hackman kind of gives one of his best performances in this film. And it's an interesting choice for, for, um, for this director, because obviously there's so many that he's produced that are so famous. And I'd, I'd argue that like, yes, this is a well-known movie and it got so many awards and so many nominations, but it kind of gets forgotten from the general kind of film ideal when you talk about uh francis it's like this one always gets left out of the conversation a little bit you know yeah but it's it's just part of a great tradition of movies in that era that are sort of you know the watergate era so you know yeah, that paranoia all, kind of element all the President's men and three days of the condor and those kind of things it just sort of it just has that creeping paranoia and it's just it's a great character study because you know gene hackman is trying to keep everything inside uh, but it just he just can't hold it together. And it's like, you know, he's he's clearly a control freak, but he just cannot quite control the world around him. You know, and it just the way that it unravels, uh it's yeah, I there's there's a lot you could say about the conversation, but I think it's I think it's alongside Apocalypse Now, I think it's Coppola's masterpiece. Excellent choice, excellent choice. Um let's recap our choices so so the listeners remember what's going on. Um I've closed my window, so I don't remember what I picked. But uh I picked her, Across the Universe, and Your Name, all fantastic movies, all available through uh I believe Amazon Prime or Netflix. Everyone's got a streaming service now, so that's Across the Universe for a musical fun good time, your name for a bit of anime romance and upskirt for Jesse. And then you got her for a more sci-fi drama romance. Jesse, recap your three. Uh, I've got everyone's favourite serial murderer and rapist, James Bond, in um, Goldfinger. I've got everyone's favourite cross-dressing psychopath in Psycho. And I've got everyone's favourite child body hunting children in Stand By Me. Well, you're going to go sexy River Phoenix then. <laughs> and the sexy child that is River Phoenix. <laughs> Henry? Uh, yeah, mine were Magnolia with the revelatory performance by Tom Cruise. That sounds worse than it really is. But and also Amadeus, which was the one about Mozart, which is Amadeus, Amadeus. an absolute stonker. <laughs> Best use of music in a film ever. And I went with The Conversation by Francis Ford Coppola starring Gene Hackman, the paranoia 70s thriller. Nine fantastic choices, I would say, that go across all genres and all mood types. So if you are struggling for new movies to watch or movies you haven't caught up in a while, I think those nine pretty much tick the box of what you need to kind of check out. So we're awesome. We're awesome is what the message of this podcast is. We hope you enjoyed. Henry, please plug uh, where people can get movie recommendations if they'd want to have a conversation with you. And They could go to whitewallcinema.co.uk and we'll be there to find you. We'll literally pour through your favourite movies and pinpoint exactly the best movie for your taste. And I, you know what? I, I, I would also will send you physical media because physical media needs saving. This streaming stuff where people can retrieve movies that are no longer you know, profitable or politically correct or have big audience numbers or whatever it might be, physical media is the one. So we'll send you physical media of the best film you've never seen. 
He will. And it's good shit, so wow. make sure you do check it out. It's worth investing. Save your independent cinema. Keep the dream alive. And uh, keep chugging along. But that's another episode. Done and dusted. This wasn't, this wasn't terrible. Like, in practice, it was actually less stupid than it felt like it was going to be, right? <laughs> we actually nailed it. Who knew? <laughs> we, we really might. should have planned this beforehand. I think we smashed it. Don't we did smash it. it. We did plan it as well. Shut up. <laughs> They're on to us. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it has been fun. And there's a lot of movies that you, you two have brought up that uh, I haven't watched in a while or, or haven't seen before that I kind of want to go back and check out. So my weekend, this weekend, uh, on day fuck knows of lockdown, I'm going to have a, a nice little movie weekend. And I hope you will join me on that little adventure. Nice. But uh, thanks for being here, Henry. Nice to meet you. I love you. Yeah, nice to meet you, or just hear you, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Nev- never meet him. It's 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 uh, it's disappointing. It's been a good-looking man. It's been traumatizing just audio. So yeah, we'll leave that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just wait till I can touch you. <laughs> and on that note, um, Henry, thank you very much. It has been an absolute pleasure. You've brought uh, knowledge and respect to this podcast, which has been lacking for so many years. <laughs> It's been, yeah, it's new to us. Yeah, we don't. Thanks for having me, guys. I've never done a podcast, so, you know, this is a first They're not all like this, I promise. Um, No, I can imagine, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) But people listen, so who knows? Maybe this is... That was great. Thanks, guys. You're very welcome. And Jesse, thank you once again for being my fantastic co-host. Where can listeners get all the Got Till 5 information that they desperately need? There's so much information. Max has got a new podcast that's probably good. Um, there's girls that do game till five. It's all part of us. And you can find out all about that shit on a little website called gottill5.com. You can also search GT5 Network on all major podcasting platforms. And that will take you to Got Till 5, Game Till 5, and Are We Day at all three of our... We have free podcasts, Jesse. That's bad. Can I make a fourth? Can I do a solo one? I would love that. I'm not doing the ah. work, though. I'll do it. No, no, no. I'll, they'll just be like quick 10-minute chats. Like, shall I just do monologues? No, you need someone. No, I'll just, I want to do Alan Bennett-style monologues. Mother's not very well today. <laughs> you know what? Fully on board. Let's get a fourth on the way. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope it wasn't too draining on you. We appreciate you listening. Please check out... Um, my other podcast are we there yet yeah, it's brand new but i think we're doing good shit and people are liking it we'll be back in two weeks time with another brand new episode head over to got till5.com and of course head on over to the twitter to join the conversation thank you very much to our guest henry and to my wonderful co-host jesse everyone have a wonderful two weeks in quarantine we'll speak to you soon with more fun goodbye and good night <laughs>